Hey, in case you weren't aware, this podcast and every episode of At The Mic is available when you subscribe to youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. That's youtube.com slash at the mic with Keith. Every interview and so much more is available there. YouTube.com slash at the mic with Keith. I hope you'll subscribe today. All right, now let's do this show here. This week, top-rated TV and radio host, best-selling book author Glenn Beck joins me as my guest. That's coming up next here on At The Mic. First, if you haven't heard the news, American Pride Roasters Coffee is back in business after that devastating tornado destroyed nearly everything they owned back in March. Dave Matthews and the APR Coffee family have rebuilt their amazing business and they're back to delivering the best-tasting, most aromatic blends available to the casual coffee drinker and the discerning coffee drinker alike. If you haven't tried APR Coffee, I really hope that you will. Head to APRCoffee.com, and don't forget promo code ATM stands for at the mic, and it's going to get you 10% off your purchase. And start drinking the best coffee available right now. That's APRCoffee.com, promo code ATM for 10% off your entire purchase. Give the good folks at APR Coffee a try today. You're listening to At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. My boss since 2009. Wow, where does the time go? The one and only Glenn Beck is my guest on this week's edition of At The Mic. I've worked alongside him for that long, but he has been creating some amazing things long before then in the world of radio, television, uh, book writing. My goodness, and there's been so much in between uh, that he has accomplished. Just an amazing life, an amazing career, and a great guy to work for. I want you to listen now to my conversation with the one and only Glenn Beck. Joined here today, but I have no idea how to introduce you. Uh, radio, TV, podcaster, so many other things. Glenn Beck, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, man. Yeah, I thanks. appreciate you uh, making time here. All right, we're going to start at the beginning. Mount Vernon, Washington. Mount Vernon, Washington, my home. Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Everett, okay. uh, which is just north of Seattle, and uh, then moved to Mount Vernon, a little teeny town. I bet it was about 30,000 people at the time. Don't really know how big it is now. Right. Um, but uh, just this little farming community, tulip bulb. I think it's the, tu- the, the yeah. tulip capital of the Western Hemisphere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and just a great fun childhood good good i wanted to uh, talk about your childhood man because you actually you have probably have no recollection of this whatsoever but you told a story from your childhood uh i was i was a part-timer at a radio station in omaha nebraska and i probably shouldn't even been there but somehow i finagled a pass to the nebraska broadcasters association this is probably circa 2003. Green-eyed radio story? There it is. I remember yeah. meeting you. Uh-huh. We, we met, right? Well, well, okay, so you and I had met in Houston when yeah. you came there, and then I, I left Houston because, you know, raising a family there yeah. was just not ideal. Right. But, yes, I have that picture somewhere of oh, you and I wow. there from Omaha. Yeah, if I can find it, I'm going to bring it in. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, you told these great stories. And the Green Eyed Radio one, if you can tell that, um, because that's what got me back into radio, I'll man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you uh, briefly. My mother told me a story 
uh, about a radio that they had because I, I didn't, you know, she said they didn't have television. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, she said, no, grandpa had a, a radio with a green eye in the center. And she said, we turn off all the lights and we turn on the radio. And as it would heat up, the tube would get brighter <laughs> and brighter in the green eye. And she said, we'd sit there and we'd, you know, tell these great stories. And that was, I was seven. And for my eighth birthday, she got me a collection of the golden years of radio. And I still have the collection in my office. And it is, it's what made me want to do radio because it was just storytelling at its finest. Yeah. I mean, at the time I was trying to figure out how to get out of radio and I went and I saw you speak, and it is such a great. Oh, I'm uh, glad that, yeah. that I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and you guys, you would have you had three radio jobs at one time when you were a kid. Oh, when I was 13, I had I would <laughs> ride my bike from one radio station to another, uh-huh. and I was horrible at all of them. And uh, I I was working at this country <laughs> station. And uh, the country station, I used to be really prone to migraine headaches and they were blinding. Uh, And uh, it was like midnight on a Saturday. And uh, the guy came in to replace me who really had to be bad if he was, you know. uh, And he came in and he was like, uh, I was supposed to get off at midnight. He got there early and I said, hey, can you just finish this for me? Because I am just, I can't take the headache. Uh Uh-huh. And then went to bed, got up the next morning, went to the other station, which was a Christian station. And they had me at 13 doing the noon news report. Oh, wow. Now, you know how bad I am with pronunciation of names today. <laughs> oh, no. Imagine this is when, um, gosh, what was his name? The one of the uh, the final Soviet premieres Andropov, I think, oh, Yuri yeah. Andropov. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is when oh, no. that was happening. And at the same time, the popes were being changed. So it was going to Pope John Paul. Uh-huh. So I had the Polish names and I had uh, the foreign <laughs> names of all of the possible cardinals. And oh. then Yuri Andropov and all of these Soviet names. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and I'm 13, you know, and I'm yeah. like, and uh, and so a Yuri Andropov. Oh, is no. uh, is horrible. Yeah. Uh, then I finished that. Um, you have tapes from that era, by the way. I used to, and oh. and my ex wives told me because we listened to them one time, and it, it's always it, a mistake. Oh, they were hysterical. Oh, they yeah? really were <laughs> for everybody who was listening, except for me. You're right. And right. I said, uh, the, 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 I'm throwing these away. And my wife at the time said, "Don't do it. You'll regret it." And I said, "I will never." regret throwing these away mm. and i can still hear some of them. they were so horrible do you regret throwing them away oh my gosh so much yeah because they would just because my voice was you know <laughs> it hadn't changed yet it was crazy uh, oh but my gosh the, on the sunday i went to work at this rock station and uh again i had a migraine headache and that time i shut the station i just turned it off i actually went on and i said <laughs> it was like i don't know nine o'clock at night ten o'clock at night and I was supposed to work at you know midnight, and my head was just pounding so right. much, and I could barely see. And I I got on the air, and I said, um, I don't know if there's anybody listening, and I just have a really bad headache, and I mean I'll stay if somebody's listening. Uh-huh. Uh, otherwise, you know, call me in the next fifteen minutes if you're listening. Nobody called. Okay. 
And so I just went to the transmitter and shut it off. Oh, no. And I went home. Oh. And uh, <laughs> the, the next day, I get a call from the program director, and he calls me in. And I ride my bike, and he's like, let me get this straight. You just turned the station off. And I was like, yeah, well, I had a really bad headache. And he's like, okay, get out. Oh, You're fired. no. So I was fired. On the way home from that job, I decide to stop to pick up my paycheck from the Christian station. And they were so nice. And the guy was like, Glenn, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> and he was just, he was so sad. He was like, look, you're a great kid, but you just are horrible. <laughs> and uh, and I said, okay, well, I can get better. And he said, I and I know you will, mm -hmm. but just not here. Not here, and man. And so he fired me. Oh. So I got fired from the first right. station, rode my bike to the next station, That's got right. fired. I got home. And my mom said, um, you know, how, how, how are things? And I said, really pretty bad. I got fired at that station and then I whirled <laughs> home and I got fired there. But you know, I've been thinking about it and this is just for me just to really concentrate on getting that one job right. And she looked at me and like, I, I remember her kind of like tearing up a little bit and looking oh. at me like in a pathetic yeah. sort of way. Yeah. And she just shook her head and I said, what? She said, <laughs> the program director called of the, the last the station. Third one. And my mom <laughs> fired me from the last one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's bad. a fun fact. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe yeah. nobody in history has ever been fired from three, three jobs, jobs in the same day. I mean, within like an hour and a half, a 90 minutes. Uh, can you recall all of the cities that you've worked in? I mean, is it possible to go through them all uh, in your head? Yeah. Uh, Sumner, Washington, okay. Tacoma, Bellingham, Seattle, Walla Walla. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Salt Lake City, Washington, D.C., Corpus Christi, Texas, Louisville, Kentucky, Dayton, Ohio, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Houston, Texas, Baltimore, New Haven, Tampa, Philadelphia, uh, New York, and now Dallas. 18. Yeah. 18. 18. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I asked this question, you know, briefly explain your job. That's impossible for you. I've got you down as a national radio host, national TV host, podcaster, book author, artist, history collector, and warning siren for the nation. So here's mm. my question for you. This world is tough to just exist in, much less discuss on a daily basis and constantly have to sound the alarm. Are there ever mornings where you wake up and you're like, I'm just, I am out of gas. How do I do this anymore? I have got to figure out how to retire and go to the ranch for the rest of my life. Every morning, except for the last three weeks, literally every morning, except for the last three weeks, there's been a real change in me. Hmm. Um, you know, I just went to, um, uh, in my faith, we, uh, we have a temple and you have to have a temple recommend, which you have to go to your bishop and then you go to somebody else and, and they you know, just ask you a bunch of spiritual questions. Are you worthy of, you know, are you leaning, leading an honest and clean life? Sure. 
And uh, I was with them uh, yesterday, last night, getting my recommend. And, and uh, uh, one of them said, boy, things are tough right now. And I said, oh, you ain't kidding. And I started talking about, you know, the struggle that I'm having right now at home with my kids and, mm-hmm. and everything else. We've had major bouts of depression with my kids this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had a suicide attempt and my br- my brother-in-law committed suicide this last year. And it's been horrible. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I said, but, you know, other than that, and he was like, wow, I was talking about the world because I know you sit down and look. I said, the world right now is a piece of cake compared to the home life. Mm. Um, however, that's not what's changed in me. What's changed in me is, um, and this is scary. You know me. I, I'm, I'm always most optimistic when. Oh, no. Yeah, when the ship is sinking. Um, and, uh, I, I actually am, it's not a bogus optimism. It, there is something, the Lord is doing something and he's doing something to me. Hmm. Um, and I think he's doing this to a lot of people, but, uh, it is coming. Bad things are coming, but I have no idea what he's doing, but what he's doing is coming as well. I specifically created this podcast at the mic because just as a producer discussing the world and the gloom and doom is just so horrific. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we drown in it on a daily basis around the clock. We're constantly show prepping, uh, just 24, seven, 365. So what does Glenn Beck do to completely disconnect from the insanities of the world, I know you've got your art. You like to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other hobbies, or is it? So no, I. F- the The only thing that ever did it for me, the first thing I ever did that I was like, I didn't think of anything but that was fly fishing. Oh wow! F- have you ever fly fished? No. Okay, it is. I've been told I need to. Oh, it is zen like. Yeah. Because you can only think about where that fly is landing on the river. And then you're watching it and then you're taking it and you're casting it and you know where the fish are, generally speaking. And so you cannot think of anything else. It is so Zen. Um, but uh, I did that, I don't know, 10 years ago, a couple of summers, and then I just haven't done it since. Mm. Um, but art, it makes me completely shut off. Mm. And um, it's been really hard because last year, you know, I had my first art show. And I think I had 16 paintings and we sold out mm. on the, in the, at the gallery on the first weekend. And, and then he said, okay, well, you know, when are you going to, and I was like, well, I don't know. It took me a year to do those 16 paintings. And I went home and I was freaking out because I'm like, I, uh, you know, now I have a, a contract with an art gallery. Oh, wow. And I, I, I just don't want this to become a job. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so uh, I freaked out a little bit and I talked to him and I'm like, I, I, I can't, uh-uh. I, you'll get the art when I have the art. Hmm. And uh, so that's kept it so it's no pressure. That's good. But uh, I've been painting three paintings that I haven't really, uh, nobody has seen their uh they're Christ. They're pictures of mm. paintings of Christ. I'm doing one Christ on Wall Street. Uh, and it's, they're very different. They're very, very different. Is he, I mean, can you give a sneak peek? Is he in a suit or is He's he? He's in a suit. Wow. He's in a suit. That's going to be interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's called, uh, it's called a temple to our God. 
All right. That's yeah. going to be good, man. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. Yeah. So let's go back to what is a job, which is talking on the radio about the world that we're living in. Couple questions here. Number one, when you were a kid and you were working at these three radio stations, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, did you ever like? When did you? So, so here we go. I'm gonna. This is gonna be a Glenn Beck question. This is gonna be very long, right? Okay. All right. Okay. So, when did you first get the impulse that I don't want to do music stuff? I want to actually eight. Do it. Okay. Eight is eight. when you wanted. To do- I wanted to do. I wanted to do theater radio. In fact, when I was t- uh, probably. 15, I roped a bunch of high school friends into doing a, I can't even remember what it was called, but it was a radio soap opera uh, over the top. And uh, it was really dark. It was like, you know, you know, murder with the sandwich shop or I can't remember (laughs) what it was. Um, but I always wanted to do radio dramas. And you've kind of been able to do some of that. Some of that, with, yeah. with War of the Worlds and the uh, Edgar Allan Poe stuff and, yeah. and even your uh, Good Friday stuff. I mean, yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, you get to do some of that at least. Yeah, and, I, and I, it's what I enjoy doing most. I don't, I don't know if the audience does. You know, I just did a series <laughs> on, um, on uh, God, and uh, I, I really enjoy those kinds of things, but I don't, I don't know if the audience does. I think your longevity in the business shows that the audience does appreciate that. So keep it up. Mm. All right. So at age eight, you thought, all right, I want to get into talk radio, but. No, not talk radio. Oh, oh. oh. I, I saw the radio that they were doing. Right. Back then, back I in see. the 40s. Okay. And I was like, I want to do that. But nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. So I found the next best thing, which is morning radio. I mean, I started just doing radio and I was horrible. Um, but then I somehow or another talked my way into doing morning radio <laughs> and it became successful, but it was never, it was always formulaic to me. I got you. I, was, I got you. I was never, I was never a cool kid, never interested in anything the cool kids were, but as a top 40 DJ, you better be cool. Right. So I had to fake being cool and it didn't work <laughs> out real well. Um, but, uh, and so talk radio gave me the opportunity to do the kind of spoken word stuff that I wanted to do. And it also gave me the ability to be 100% who I am. So let's talk about what was the impulse to give you to make that transition? My dad, um, I was so done with radio. If I had to play another Britney Spears record, I would hang myself. Hmm. And uh, I got to the point, Pat will tell you this, I got to the point where um, I literally would introduce or backsell any song that I was playing as another super, super classic from What's-Her-Face. Because uh, I just <laughs> did not care. Actually, that'd be, I, I would listen to that DJ. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was great. Oh, isn't she great? I have all of her album. And, uh, and uh, she's going to, you know, wow, what a talent <laughs> that is. Um, and, uh, and so I just wanted to get out of radio. And my, I called my dad, and, and he said, what do you, you're What? And I said, Dad, I just, I got, I, I got to do something else. I can't do this anymore. And he said, Glenn, you have known since you were seven what you wanted to do. And uh, you have a skill for it. You're just not talking about the things you want to talk about, mm. the things that interest you. Find a way to talk about those things. Um, and so I started, and I started doing it on, you know, Top 40 Radio and that really didn't go over well. Um, <laughs> and Clear Channel, iHeartRadio, I've worked with them since 19, yeah, 1989. Mm. Um, and uh, they uh, they were like, no, 
you, you know, no, no, no. You're really good at top 40 mornings. Wow. Do nothing else. And uh, so I got a part-time job at WABC doing talk radio on the weekends. And uh, somebody in iHeartRadio heard me, happened to be the guy who was the head of the talk division, hmm. and um, said, you want a job? And I took it. and The rest now, is history. Yeah, now here we are. Very cool. Tell us about the American Journey Experience, the History Museum, where you're collecting pieces of Americana. So this is... Um, this is my favorite thing in my job. I yeah, love this. Yeah, I bet. And I, I wish we could get to the point where we could open it for the public because then all I'm going to do is just be a docent. Um, mm. the, uh, um, back in 2008, I think, uh, I heard in my prayers clay pots. And, you know, the Lord and I have a very different relationship. We talk <laughs> to each other. And... Uh, and uh, he knows me, and uh, and I respectfully, you know, know him, and uh, and I I talk back to him sometimes, and um, and it's not because of him; it's because he thinks I think he thinks I'm smarter than I am, because <laughs> he's like clay pots, and I'm like, dude, you created me. I have no idea right. what that means. Can I uh, can I make it a little bit more specific? Yeah, please? throw me a bone here. What does that mean? And um, I I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed on that, and um, my first understanding was. Clay pots are what saved the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it wasn't until I was on the air one day and I was talking about our our documents, the Constitution Declaration of Independence, that I said, these are our sacred documents that I realized, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. just like the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm -hmm. these could come under fire at some point. Now look at our National Archives, okay? Yeah. And look at the people who are running the country right now, mm -hmm. even the ones who are behind the scenes. They despise our country. And I think there would be a lot of people that would take joy in destroying all of these documents and all of this history. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we started collecting. I started collecting myself, and then I joined with David Barton. We have now more documents and more artifacts than anyone other than the National Archives and the Library of Congress. For now. For now, yeah. Um, and a lot of people have been donating really tremendous That's awesome. objects. That's great. Because they, you know, we, we just got the largest collection of Pilgrim and Jamestown artifacts wow. and documents. Wow. Largest collection in the world. It absolutely disproves 1619 um, in like a hundred different ways. Wow. It's crazy. Um, and the Smithsonian was bidding for it. And we couldn't even compete with that bid. The guy found out who we were, looked into us, and he called us and said, you know what? I'll give it to you half the price that they're bidding on it for because wow. you guys will preserve it. They'll hide it. That is a excellent. That's really cool. That's very cool. You want to do a little quick rapid fire here? Mm -hmm. Favorite musical genre? Mm. <laughs> All of them. I mean, I All right. Don't yeah. Know. That's not fair. These questions yeah. aren't fair. What's yeah. your favorite band? Muse. Okay. Uh, Billie Eilish. Uh-huh. Uh, Phineas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, these aren't easy, yeah, are they? No, they're not. Uh, favorite book you've ever read? Can't say the Bible. Yeah. Favorite book I've ever read. Uh, gosh. You know, I in 
in 10 years, I read 7,000 books. Cool. Uh, so I'm not sure. I've watched you read before. I don't know how you do it, man. You just, you're, you're, you're almost like a Johnny Five. It is, uh, you know what it is? It's, uh, it's ADD. Huh. It's my ADD is really good at being able to okay. consume things quickly. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, best book I've ever read for story that stuck with me is Les Miserables. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Uh, but I don't know if that's the best book I've ever read. Sure. Okay. What's the latest book you've read? I don't have my iPad with me. Oh. I'm reading about three right now. Yeah. I'm reading a fiction. I don't remember the name of it. Um, <laughs> I'm reading, gosh, I wish I had my iPad. Sure. I understand. Yeah. Well, do you find it difficult in this world to even find time to read? I do. Uh, I used to read so much more than I do now. Yeah. You know, the problem is it's not finding the time to read. I read in bed and uh, because I now have to wear glasses and I can never get comfortable with my book and a little book light. I read online. And so I don't have the same relationship with books. Like I could have told you because I would have picked it up and Mm -hmm. looked at the cover every time. Yeah. Uh, And I, uh, I don't do that anymore. So you don't, you just don't retain it like you used to. I I, I totally understand. Highly recommend paper books. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite app? Favorite app? Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have very many apps. Kindle. Kindle, yeah, okay. Mm. Favorite comfort food? Not a fat joke. Uh, my <laughs> uh, my wife's lasagna. Aha, uh-huh. I've heard you talk about that quite a bit. Yeah. And um, we've kind of covered uh, your favorite hobby is probably painting, right? Yeah. Okay, or history collecting. Yeah. Uh, you just mentioned your wife. Can you tell us? I know it's a it's an awesome story, and I know you've told it millions of times, but tell us how you guys met, you and Tanya. We met in a parking lot. And, uh, uh, and, uh, she was, she was in this parking lot. I was there with, um, uh, my former radio partner and I was, uh, we were just talking and she walked by and she heard our voices and she said, excuse me, are you, are you Glenn Beck and <laughs> Vinnie Penn? <laughs> and I uh, said, yes. And she said, Hey, I, I just, uh, I just want to thank you for all the laughs for all the years. I just. I love you guys. I think she even said, I grew up listening to you. And oh, I was no. Like, okay, thank you. Oh, no. no. Um, but anyway, you know, I was in, I was what, 28, 30 maybe. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, I said, thanks. And so she left. I didn't think about it again. Um, but the night before, I had, because uh, I was really struggling with my alcoholism there, and I was about a year sober, but I was white knuckling it. I was just barely able to hold mm. on. And I had uh, prayed, uh, you know, please, dear Lord, I need you. I need you to throw a roadblock in my way. I need something. Otherwise, (laughs) again, my relationship with God. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to, next Thursday, you got a week. Next Thursday, I'm going to the bar and I'm going to drink. And uh, and I mean it. And it'll be your fault. (laughs) And uh, and so uh, that next morning, I met her, didn't see it. And uh, then Saturday, we were at some thing where it was a, I don't remember what it was, some something where I was drawing out. The station thing. Yeah. And I was giving away a car, I think. Uh-huh. And if you were registered, um, you would win the car. Uh, and no, if you were registered and I pulled your ticket out, you'd win the car. Well, because it was the Northeast, I wanted to make it miserable for everybody. So if I picked your number, you lost. Oh, bro, come on. I know, I know. (laughs) It was great. And I mean, it was, you know, the New York area, everybody's miserable. That's right. 
<laughs> and different um, degrees of miserable. I didn't know that Tanya, her sister, was registered. Okay, she had won a ticket, and she was standing in for her sister, so she went to oh. see if she won the car. And about halfway through, um, you know, everybody was like, "Ah, oh, uh-huh. they suck," you know. <laughs> and uh, I pulled hers, and then she came up as she was getting ready to leave after I pulled her number, and she said. Just want to thank you. It was a very nice time. Oh, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" <laughs> and I said, "Hang on, just a second. I said, "Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just a minute. What is your name?" And she said, "And she just beat red. Oh no!" And she was like, "Tanya," and I'm like, "I want to introduce you to Tanya. She's actually nice, not like you bums." Uh, and she just, oh, she fled the scene. Oh no! Uh, and I didn't think. I didn't think twice, but I remembered her this time. I didn't remember her the first time. And Were you uh, at all thinking nope. about your bargain with God? Nope, here? not okay. at all. <laughs> and uh, then on Thursday, um, I uh, was on my way to the bar. And I actually got to the bar, went into the bar, yelling at God in my head, looked at the bartender and said, Jack and Coke, please. And uh, he said, yes, sir. Poured it, handed me the glass. I stood there looking at the bar, stood there at the bar, looking at this this glass of Jack and Coke and thinking, all right. And I turned around and I was about to drink it as I turned around and across the room was Tanya. And I and she had been there before you she had, had arrived. There. I didn't she even had know. No she was idea. with a bunch of friends. Amazing. And that's when it hit me. Oh, my God. Gosh, he is so efficient. He kept putting her, I am sorry, Lord, I didn't see it. And I went over and introduced her, and I said, would you like to go someplace and, and grab a bite to eat? Cool. And she, she said, I'm here with my friends. Oh, no. And there were like 10 of them. And I'm like, no, 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 I meant like all of you guys. Do you want to like go someplace? And I didn't even know what I was thinking. And so they were like, uh okay oh no so then i get into my car and i realize i don't have i don't have my wallet i don't have any money in my wallet what am i i I don't have you know anything but my debit card so i went i had to go to the bank get a bunch of cash out they i made them wait like 30 or 40 minutes and i'm thinking they're gone uh what am what is wrong with me and a That's friend that happened to be there saved the seat right next to her. Oh, and the rest is. That's cool. So I mean, you went through with it as far as the ten people coming with you. Oh yeah, no, no, just to I, make yeah, sure you yeah, weren't letting yeah, this third yeah, chance go away. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. What's the most scared you've ever been, Glenn? The night, um, the night the police knocked at my door, um, and my son had tried to kill himself was the scariest i can't imagine as a parent oh i don't you know i don't know if i, I don't know how parents lose a child in any way shape or form i don't i just can't imagine my children not being a part of my life yeah it's and you work so hard and you work so long to try to do the right thing every step of the way you know, and I've been lucky. My son-in-law married one of my one of my girls. is so great. He works here. They live next door, and he's just part of the family. And I just really lucked out. I got three other kids, 
I don't know if I'm going to get that lucky three times. Mm. Yeah. But but you're right. I mean, you you try to protect them, and you don't necessarily know all the battles that they're no, fighting. No, and you know, uh, the devil is in your house now. Online, the devil is in your house. Second most scary was when um, a child predator uh, was communicating with uh, with my son, and uh, we had the FBI show up at our house. And it was like, oh, wait, 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 what? Um, you just never know. The devil is in your house now, and you don't know it. So many avenues. Yeah. Now, this is impossible to answer, especially on the fly, but if you could keep five items, you can only keep five, what would they be? I'd have to look at the big <laughs> right. book of what we have. <laughs> right. Uh, but George Washington's compass is pretty darn cool. Nice. Um, the uh, <laughs> Ian Fleming made rat with a bomb in its butt from World War II. I've heard you talk about that. It is really, yes, really great. Yes, yes. I love that. My wife would say, let it burn. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to do all five. I don't know. Yeah, I it's mean, tough, right? I mean, some, I, it's we, tough. we have uh, King George III's scriptures. I have wow. Marie Antoinette's scriptures. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, we have just, that's I don't know. Cool. That's don't super know. cool. I uh, probably wanted that, because I'm attracted to some of the weird stuff. Mm-hmm. We have the largest piece of the Hindenburg still in existence. What? Yeah. I didn't know about this. It's crazy. Is it? Is it? uh, I want to see that. It's about, uh, you know, about the size of the desktop. Nice. You know. That's super cool. Yeah. You obviously are very talented. Is there anything about you that people don't know? Any hidden talents or any... uh, Zero. Really? No. Okay. You've given no, us all. I'm bluffing on all the talents <laughs> that I have already. You think there's more in here? Right, right, no. right. What's the uh, biggest turning point in your life? Marrying my uh, mm-hmm. marrying my wife. Yeah. Marrying Tanya. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you've crossed paths with tons of celebrities, tons of famous people. Any memorable stories that you're allowed to share, whether good or bad impressions that people left on you along the way? Again, that you're able to uh, share. (laughs) I think of a bad one. Uh, The time I met BB King. Bad? Uh, Huh? Oh no! Really? Oh, I love BB King. Oh no! What? Love him. And I took my then girlfriend, my now wife, to see BB King. Yeah. Uh, And uh, she's not a fan, to say the least. Okay. And. Um, like, how can you not like BB King? Right. Come on. And she's like, well, I haven't really listened to much. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to go with mm-hmm. because I love BB King. You're going to love him. She fell asleep at the concert. Oh, okay? no. It was Johnny Lang oh, no. opening for BB King. Okay. And uh, it was like, come on. And I had backstage passes to go back and meet him. And uh, she literally slept through most of the concert. It was driving me out of my mind. It was almost a deal breaker. Oh no. And uh, so we get backstage <laughs> and she's like, I don't care. To, I don't care. But I do. And I went back and I was like, Mr. King, such an honor to meet you, sir. And he didn't even look at me. He looked directly at my hot wife, my oh, hot girlfriend. Oh no, no, no. And he went, Come over here and sit on BB's lap. Oh. And he had the nicest chat with her and said nothing to me. Nothing. I wanted to say she slept through your concert. 
I thought that's where the story was going to go. Yeah. I thought he was going to look at her and say, oh, is this the chick that was sleeping to the whole show? No, no. Oh, no. No, no. Oh, and even if he worse. saw it, I think he would have been fine with it. Right. If oh, I would have slept, he would have been like, get out. Right, right, right. Yeah. But I didn't matter at all. If you could go back in history and meet one person, who would it be? Jesus, of course. Okay, but, but you can't say Jesus, though. That's a I would like, carve out. I would actually like to not necessarily meet. I'd like to see George Washington's life at high speed because oh. I can't find, you know me, yeah. I, I can find, you know, everything on anybody in history. And you always find a flaw. Always find a flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I cannot find one with mm. him. And I'd like to know if that was real, but everything that I read about him, all of his contemporaries, yeah. anybody, even the worst thing I can find about him is he ex- he spent an extraordinary amount of money on ice cream. Oh, nice. Yeah, which makes that a good thing for me. <laughs> right. But, um, but that, that's one of the things they brought up in his reelection. His mother actually <laughs> brought it up because she didn't want him to be president. And she yeah. said, you have no idea how much money he spends on frivolous things like ice cream. Oh, gosh. Oh. And I, 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 I want to know the truth. I don't want to believe he yeah. is the guy I think he is if he wasn't. Right. right. Um, but I have searched and searched and searched for 20 years. Nothing. I, I just found a – I'm reading a book where – Somebody that was with him says that, and he was with him all the time. I can't think of who it was, but he said the angriest I've ever seen George Washington was when he got, he gets this letter uh, of an expedition. He's president and there's an expedition out West and they're going through the Ohio river Valley, blah, blah, blah. The Indians attack. It's horrible. Anyway, they didn't take the precautions that he told them to take. And that's when he was at his angriest because this massacre happened. Yeah. And because they didn't listen to what he said. In other words, he didn't get upset at his angriest moment. It wasn't something personal. It was yeah. something where it's like, my gosh, yeah. this happened because... And one of the flaws they said he had was after he lost New York, he was standing in New Jersey, and one of his officers, um, and this actually caused a lot of problems for him later, said he looked at the loss of New York, and he was looking over the river, and he wept. Mm. Um, and that was a flaw to them back then. Wow. That he he was the strong guy, and and that's no, a flaw. now he's crying, right? But I think that's a that, that's, strength. Sure, another humanizing yeah. moment. Most embarrassing moment for you. Most embarrassing moment. My gosh, I don't know why I'm coming up blank because most <laughs> of my life is really embarrassing. Okay. Uh, I disagree, but okay. No, there's no, there's so many. There's something. Uh, oh, uh, here's one. Huh. Um, you know the kid that played Ralphie? Yeah. In in yeah. a Christmas story. Uh huh. Okay. Do you know who he is? Yes. Okay. I didn't. Oh no. Uh, and so I, I knew Peter Billingsley was Ralphie. That's uh-huh. it. And I'm in the middle of a million things in New York. And one of the guys says, Glenn, um, Peter Billingsley is waiting in your office. Um, it's really important. You got to talk to him, blah, blah, blah. And I said, who the hell is Peter Billingsley? Right. And they said, Ralphie. And I'm like, what the hell am I talking to Ralphie for? It's not even at the time. It was not even one of my favorite movies. Oh, wow. and so I like I barely knew the story. And I was like, what am I going to do? And they're like, no, you got just go in. He's great. You're going to love it. 
and I was supposed to spend like 35 minutes with him. I have nothing to say. And so I sit down and I'm thinking, this is pathetic. The guy did Ralphie and now what? And uh, so I, I sit down and, and I'm like, so uh, Ralphie, huh? That was pretty, you know, that was big. And he's like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, hmm. So was that weird, you know, as a kid growing up and, you know, and uh, so, you know, what do you do now? And he looked at me and he said, uh, well, we just finished filming Iron Man 2. <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, OK, so you have a job. <laughs> That's good. OK, now I know I am supposed to meet with you. It was and he knew it, too. He was like. You don't. I think he even said, "You really don't know who I am." Do That's you? Awesome. And I'm like, uh-uh. "Okay." Uh, yeah. Any regrets uh, that you would care to share with us? Anything you'd do yeah, differently? Not enough time with my kids. Yeah, I think that we can all relate to that. Yep. What's left on your bucket list in life? Anything you need I to accomplish? So, and none of these are going to happen. I have three people on my bucket list, and only one of them is a possibility. I so want to meet Clint Eastwood. When I was at CNN, he walked in and he was doing something with Larry King and there was a big poster of me in the wall and he's like, he stops. And my producer happened to be there and he stopped and he went, that guy, I like that guy. Oh, nice. uh, Yeah. And so uh, I I just love to meet him. Um, I really, really, another one that's not going to happen is I'd give my left arm to interview Ralph Lauren. He is probably the best salesman for America. Hmm. Um, He believes in the essence of America. He's the only one that's not ashamed of America. He's, he's done more for the American image. I think than anybody else. He gets us deep down inside. He gets our spirit. You know what I mean? And uh, I think, you know, he's obviously a genius. I would love to talk to him, do an interview with him. And uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me take the opportunity to thank you for all you've done for me and my family for... I've worked for you for 13 years now, that man. Nuts. The time flies. Glenn Beck, thanks so much for thank making you. time here on Apple Mike. God bless. It was so great to sit down and chat with Glenn Beck. Just an amazing life that he has lived. Next week, I'm going to sit down with Alex Stein. He's a guy who's made his mark at city council meetings far and wide and he's done so much more uh, in addition to that his life story is uh, what we will discuss on next week's edition here on at the mic until then i hope you'll take a moment to rate and review this podcast please do give it five stars over at apple itunes or spotify feel free to drop us a note through the website that's at the mic show.com at the mic show.com and please do share that link with your friends and family who may want to have some of these uh, good conversations in their life uh, during this crazy time in our world. So we will see you a week from today. And until then, please go be free. And thank you for listening. This has been At The Mic with Keith, an independent podcast production. Head to at the mic show.com for archived episodes, sponsor information, and ways to connect.